Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome to part two on the conversation of speaking into existence, the law of attraction and manifesting technique that piggybacks on episode 92 and 94, which were about scripting. So if you're just finding this episode, stop and go back at least to episode 96, which is the one just before this one. This episode picks up right in the middle of that conversation. So if you start listening here, you're going to be missing something. And we don't want that. So without further ado, I'm going to just assume that you listen to episode 96, and here is the rest of the story. And something that's important to realize, that when you experience synchronicity, when you experience that support from unseen places, it's useful to say, but of course. Of course that person would show up. Of course that circumstance would show up to support me. Instead of, you know, a lot of people say, the craziest thing happened to me. You'll never guess. I, it's amazing. I can't believe it. And in that exclamation of how unusual it is to get support from the universe, they create more circumstances of it being unusual to get support. So when you start seeing synchronicity, experience synchronous events that support you, the thing to say is, but of course. Of course I get that support. Of course I get that that help. Because in my experience of the world, when that's not happening, when you don't have those, when life isn't flowing easily in your behalf, that's because you're putting up some form of resistance to having it flow to you that way. And more often than not, it's a belief that you have that it you have to struggle, that you have to earn it, that you have to work hard for it. No, it can just come to you easily. Why not? For every one side, there's a flip side to the coin. And you all know people that seem to attract abundance, attract circumstances, seemingly by magic. And you might be wondering why they were able to do that. Some people even get envious of those people, like talking dirty about them behind their back, wishing them to fail, because they don't seem to have access to the same magic. Well, I'm telling you, right here and now, you do. Speak it into existence. So as we continue with this conversation, I want to point to a couple more sources that expand this whole idea of our personal broadcast and the energy that we send out in the universe and how it shows up. One of those sources is the work of Rupert Sheldrake. And I'll put some links in the show notes. But Rupert is an Englishman, and he's a researcher and author, uh, considered by some to be a pseudoscientist. But he is the creator of the morphic resonance theory. And that's just a fancy way of addressing thought forms in general. And he says it's the idea of mysterious telepathy-type interconnections between organisms and of collective memories within a species. It accounts for phantom limbs, 
dogs that it seemed to know that their masters are coming home and they're waiting by the front door. It also speaks to the event that happened to me last night. My cat, one of our cats, was sleeping so cutely in my office, and I wanted to snap a picture of it. And the cat was dead to the world. It was out for the count. But the moment I got my my phone out and focused on the cat, she lifted her head up like, what are you doing? And before that, I was talking to her. She wasn't moving. But the moment I got the camera out, it caught her attention. And I made no sound. She just picked up on my intent. And before I move on, though, just another little factoid about my wife and I and our animals is we talk to them as if they understand us. And many times they do. They know exactly what we're talking about because they have a response that is right in alignment with what our dialogue is. But getting back to Rupert, he wrote many books and there's one book that I love. It's called The Sense of Being Stared At. And in his research, he's found that 90% of the people that were polled have had the experience of being stared at. They were out in a crowded place or they were alone and they had the sense that someone was staring at them. They turned and looked in the direction and they saw someone look away quickly. So what this phenomena draws attention to is the idea that we have a personal broadcast. Our energy, our thoughts are sent out and that they are received by the individual or by people on the other end. And it goes to say, if that is occurring, then thoughts are creating our experiences. Thoughts are creating our reality in more than one way. A little personal experience about 15 years or so ago, I was dating a woman. I had introduced her to this concept of a personal broadcast that by focusing on a person, but by focusing on an event that we can imbue it with energy, we can send energy in that direction. And she was sitting around with some of her girlfriends and they were practicing doing this. And she was sending energy, a thought my way. And I immediately picked up my phone and texted her and said, what? With a question mark. She apparently freaked out because it had worked. But I had had the distinct feeling that I was being pinged, like someone was knocking on my window, trying to get my attention. And to expand on this idea, especially if you're in an intimate relationship, never try and hide something from your partner, whether it's an affair, you know, spending money secretly, just covering things up, perhaps having conversations that you know you shouldn't be having. Because while on the surface, it may feel as if you're getting away with it. Energetically, you're sending out a broadcast that you cannot be trusted. It interferes with the intimacy that you have. And that goes the same for negative thinking or judgment about what they're doing or how they're doing it. Energetically, it is a broadcast right to the center of their being. They get how you feel. But often, you know, sometimes people don't want to address it out in the open and they that's the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about because once you talk about it, then you have to deal with it. 
So in some ways, I guess you could say that's a warning to make sure that you are energetically aligned with how you want to be in the relationship. Because when you're not aligned, when you're incongruent, it is felt. It resonates through every fiber of the relationship, whether you're aware of it or not. It is there. Another resource I'd like to point you to that kind of speaks to this whole thing about broadcasting is the book Healing Words by Dr. Larry Dossie. Now, this book is a few years old, and I think you can still get it, but in it, he talks about the power of prayer and the research that had gone on around that. They randomly took people that were coming out of surgery and in the ICU at a hospital, and they randomly selected different individuals that were coming out of surgery to be prayed for. And they had a group of people that focused on this individual, focused thoughts of prayer, asked God, asked for the divine intervention. And that person statistically healed faster, left the high ICU quicker than the other control groups, quote unquote, control, the people that weren't being prayed for, at least not as intently. And some of these people were not just like in the other room. They were up to 3,000 miles away. And because of that, they found that distance had no bearing on the impact or the power of being prayed for or having loving thoughts sent to or love and light sent to somebody. It's kind of all the same thing. Now, there's two things I want to address about this. One is I said earlier that you cannot be asserted upon unless you are willing, meaning that someone can't do something on your behalf without your participation. So while people may be praying for you, sending you love and light, if you're not open to it, you're not going to experience it. But I have one other thing to say about that, is that you don't need a person's conscious agreement in order to do something or send them energy to send them light. You can talk to their higher self. And as long as what you're sending them you qualify as being in their best interest, the most benevolent outcome. You can get agreement, and I do this all the time, with their higher self. And send energy, send love on their behalf. And it's available to them. As if they had openly said, yeah, send me the good vibes. And while most often I do get the agreement, I get the green light to go ahead, Sometimes I get a stop sign and it comes up in my head as a stop sign that this person has to go through this on their own without any outside assistance. I understand. I realize that for some of you, some of you that are healers, this may fly in the face of what you've been taught in only getting permission, getting, you know, agreement from an individual before you proceed. I do that on another plane. I get agreement, but just not from the personality, per se. It could be said that the personality exists on the third dimension, and getting agreement from the higher self exists on the fifth dimension. I just operate on multiple dimensions of reality, and those multiple dimensions are available to each and every one of you. So it just depends on what plane of consciousness you're playing in. The other point I want to make in this example of the healing words is that if you can send healing thoughts, if you can send a prayer to someone, that's the same as manifesting in the world. 
It's just another example of the power of your thought, of speaking into existence. You see, when you have these different examples of how this is working in the world or has worked in other circumstances, it adds credibility to you doing it for yourself. It just supports uh, that belief. You see, in the formation of a belief, many times it begins as a hypothesis, just an idea, a possibility, a theory. And then over time, as you hold that theory there and you start to see evidence out in the marketplace to support that idea, it becomes like a lawyer building a case, collecting a body of supporting evidence to support the hypothesis. And after a time, if you have enough evidence, you can consider it as being a fact. And that's why we can have a a quote-unquote negative belief and have a lot of supporting evidence for it because your reticular activating system has been searching out in your environment for circumstances, events that support the fact that things don't work out for you. Or on the flip side, if you're telling a new story, if you're telling an expanded view of the future as if it's true, your reticular activating system will begin searching your environment, sending out vibes to the universe to pull in circumstances that support your new story. So my friend, again, you've heard it here once. You'll hear it many, many times. You create your reality. Now, before we end this conversation, I want to draw attention one more time to our celebration, my wife and I's celebration that we did about speaking into existence the future, the events, the circumstances, the dynamics, the energy that we wanted to be present in our lives. And one of our supporting uh, examples or evidence that we use to help support this idea in our partnership is that a while back, we both watched an episode, a television episode of Kindred Spirits, starring Amy Bruni, uh, Adam Berry, and psychic Chip Coffee. Now, if you're not familiar with Kindred Spirits, it's one of those uh, paranormal investigation uh, shows. Uh, and I have to you know, say that my wife and I don't typically watch these shows only because that most of them are very disrespectful in their process of investigating. For whatever their perspective is, for the sake of good TV or dramatic TV, they're somewhat rude to the energy. The energy that they're, they're bringing to the investigation is quite distasteful. But on occasion, we'll watch Kindred Spirits because we like the energy behind it. The other show we used to watch is The Dead Files with Amy Allen. And what's the other one? The Holzer Files. Now, all those three have a mix of, you know, where they balance the investigation with psychic information. So it's it's approaching it from multiple levels. But there was this one episode of Kindred Spirits that we just happened, quote unquote, happened to catch. And it was called Zombie Boy. So in the process of their investigation they determined that this entity that was referred to as Zombie Boy was more than likely a manifestation of not only the residents that were there, but also the other paranormal researchers that had come to investigate the strange going-ons at this house. Because they could find no historical reference when they did their research, and previous owners never reported any psychic phenomena going on 
while they live there. So I'm going to skip a lot of the details, but what was interesting about it is once they had the theory that this zombie boy was a PK manifestation, something that was created out of the expectation, the beliefs, and the energy that was in, you know, imbued in these investigations, they decided to do an experiment. And the way they set it up is that they were going to create some attributes for Zombie Boy that were never, ever talked about previously. And the way they would do it is they wrote it down. They wrote family members, what the circumstances, how he died, because that never came out. His favorite piece of equipment that he liked to communicate through because it was fun. It was like a toy. So they wrote all this out. And then they sat in the room where a lot of this activity was going on. And they talked about Zombie Boy as if it was fact. They were talking about the the different attributes that he had. You know, that he was 12 years old and he had a disfiguring accident when he fell off a horse. That he had a father named Edward who died in the Civil War. His mother's name was Beatrice, and he had a sister named Mary. And none of that was ever disclosed in previous investigations. They made it up. And when they talked about it, they talked about it as if it was fact. The same way that my wife and I talked about our future as if it was fact, as if it had already happened. And then they left the room and they they made the statement they were going to allow it to marinate a little bit. I don't know if they needed to do that. But they decided they were going to leave that room and they were going to go out to the carriage house to investigate some of the paranormal activity that was going on out there. And it was suspected that one of the pre, you know, like the first owner of the house had actually killed somebody out there, had punished them or beat them to death or something like that. It was just an ominous feeling out in the carriage house. So out in the carriage house, they began conducting an EVP session or electronic voice phenomenon. Basically, it's a digital recorder that they ask questions to, and then the spirit or the entity can communicate on a sub-audible level that you can't hear in person, but you can is captured in, in a garbled, staticky uh, expression on the voice recorder. Well, they did that, and they got some responses from the entity that was out there. Basic, most significant about that is that it was the primary entity that was causing the disturbances in the house and not Zombie Boy. So while they were out there, they called Chip Coffee, the psychic, to tune into the circumstances that were there. And he tuned into the aggression, to the anger, and the fact that someone was killed out there. But then he started picking up that something around the Revolutionary War and the name Edward. And they realized at that moment that what they spoke into existence for Zombie Boy was being picked up by Chip in this kind of bled through to this other environment. They were getting excited. They told Chip they would call him back and they went back to the room where they had created or manifested this other biography. Once in the bedroom where most of the activity from Zombie Boy was being experienced, they did their own little research. They did another EVP where they asked questions and they were getting responses. When asked, you know, what your mother's name was, it said Beatrice, which was one of the names that Adam and Amy had actually made up. Zombie Boy named Beatrice as his mother on the EVP. When it asked, you know, who was your father, it said Edward. Also, one of the names that they made up. 
When he was asked, you know, what's your favorite device to communicate through, he said, the K2, which was exactly what they had programmed into the space. So understand that this is an audible response being played back on this this digital recorder, a response to their questions, an intelligent response to their questions. And then they called Chip. They called him to see if he could get a reading on what was going on in this space. And almost immediately, he tuned into the Edward and the Revolutionary War, all the details of the story that they had made up. And then he even verified that it felt like Frankenstein, like there was something created here, pieced together. What I love about this episode is that it's very affirming about this whole process of thought forms and speaking into existence and actually having the, f- the phenomena be validated through their testing equipment and third-party validation. Chip was six to 700 miles away at the time he was doing this reading. He wasn't even close. And he was able to pick up on the details in the biography that they spoke into existence. And another reason why I like this episode for my wife and I is because it was a shared experience which validated this whole process of speaking into existence. It was an example that she could refer to, and it was an example that I could refer to, and it actually helped support our own joint activity in this. And when you're co-creating with a partner or with a companion, it's very important that you're both on the same page, that you're in alignment with what's going on. And it just helped ramp up the energy around what we were doing, speaking into existence, celebrating our new life, celebrating our life as if it has already happened today. And it's just an experience we're living into. If you want to watch that episode of Kindred Spirits on your own, I'll put a link to the Travel Channel website and that specific episode in the show notes. But before I go, before we part ways at this uh, end of the second part, I want to just sum up how we do this, how you speak it into existence. One, speak it as if it's a fact. Speak it and feel as if it's already done. Assume a virtue if you have a not. Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. And one way to do that is what would you see? What would you feel? What would you hear as it being reality? What would other people say about it? And if you get caught up in looking at how things currently are, turn it into, I remember when. I remember, and then you just address, you know, this current circumstance as if it was in the past. And if an old story comes up, you just acknowledge it. Oh, that, that's that old story. The story I'm telling now, the story I'm living into, the story that is my reality is this. And in the end, It's not the words you say, but it's the feeling that you imbibe in this story. It is the vibration that is your point of attraction. And as you put into practice this whole idea of speaking into existence and you speak the future that you want to bring about as if it's happening now, you're going to experience a greater sense of abundance, an ever-increasing experience of supply unlimited love and joy. The relationships that you're involved in are simply amazing. They're satisfying. They're loving. They're ever-expanding. 
And my friend, you should be proud of yourself, of what you've created, the amazing life you've created. Well, until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Denovi, urging you to follow your bliss and live your life from inner signals. And by all means, live the epic adventure. (laughs) 